Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities, eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. While we can give ourselves a good pat on the back for the work we've done for the uh, RPA, we should also remind ourselves that there is still so much work to be done ahead of us. Salam! Hello, everyone. Dear listeners, welcome to another exciting episode of She Talks Peace. I'm Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, welcoming you from Manila. And here's my co-host. Hi, everybody. This is Ayesa, and I'm here joining you from University Malaysia Sabah, or UMS. Here in Kota Kinabalu, Sabah. Hi, Amina. It's good to see you again. Hi, Ayesa. Ayesa, have you heard the latest about Greta Thunberg? She's really, really incredible. You know, she was detained by the German police for protesting the proposed destruction of a village in order to make way for the expansion of a mining operation. Gosh, I wonder if we have young women like that in Malaysia and uh, in the Philippines. Such amazing young woman, this Greta Thunberg, no? Here in Malaysia, Amina, we have somehow a similar story where uh, in 2021, we had uh, this 17-year-old girl. Her name is Ayn Husniza Saiful Niza. She became very popular because she posted on her TikTok. Uh, apparently, there was uh, a rape joke that was said by her teacher. Okay, so wow. in the class, they were discussing apparently about laws that protect minor children from sexual abuse and harassment. And then uh-huh. here comes this teacher giving the side remarks in, in a form of a joke saying that if you want to rape somebody, it has to be beyond 18 years old or not a minor. Wow. So because of that, uh, because of that, then I was so shocked and when she got home, she recorded herself and then explaining what just happened in her class. And I, since then, from 2021, became very popular. They also shared that TikTok video. And of course, it brought to the attention of everybody here in Malaysia up to the government. You know, And in fact, 
I later on became a spokesperson for UNICEF and other NGOs as well, bringing up these issues about uh, rape jokes, you know, that is happening in, in the classrooms you know, everywhere in Malaysia. So whether this is an isolated case, but definitely it is, uh, it has become an important issue that we should not normalize rape jokes, especially among young people. That's a really fantastic example of a young woman standing up for, you know, not just for herself, but for everybody else, you know, who was, was in that class with that crazy professor. It, it really brings home the point, right, that one voice matters, especially today when young people know social media in and out and they can amplify their voice. But you know, Ayesa, last year it was really an uneventful year when you're talking about women, youth, peace and security, apart from the very, very depressing developments in um, Russia and Ukraine, the developments in Iran, you know, the killing of uh, the young woman um, who was detained because she was not, can you imagine, Ayesa, not wearing her hijab properly. And, you know, when, when I think about what happened last year, I can't help but wonder what will happen this year, but with young, you know, young women like Greta Thunberg and uh, your young Malaysian, yeah. maybe twenty twenty three won't be so bad, yes, huh? That's right. And even here in ASEAN, uh, I mean, uh, despite of you know all these uh, conflict that continue to emerge, you know, we do have some uh, examples of uh, or or rather peace, uh, good news piece of good news like for ASEAN you know we recently launched our regional plan of action on WPS yep especially you and me because after all we belong to the ASEAN Women for Peace Registry mm -hmm. and this is something that we have been you know hoping for for many years even before we were with the ASEAN Women for Peace Registry so for this episode I thought it would be a good idea for us to look back at 2022 and discuss how do we move forward given our circumstances. And we have three young guests who had joined us before who will provide us with the fresh perspectives of Gen X. I think they're Gen X, Ayesa. I have no idea about all these terms. I mean, uh, Gen X, Gen Z. Gen X. <laughs> they should explain to us. They should explain to us. Yep. So let me introduce our guests so we can can have uh, we can have them in our conversation. Uh, the first one is uh, Bits Alcibar, Wianet Bits Alcibar, who has a passion for upholding human rights and stimulating political thought among the Filipino youth. Bits is looking to pursue a career in political journalism or international human rights development. Welcome, Bits. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to be back on the show. And Hi, we are Bits. in Gen Z. <laughs> oh, Hello. so Gen Z is from what years? Gen Z. Can you educate us, please? Educate us. I believe us. it's... 
1998 to um, I'm not sure where it stops, but is I was that, born 1999, so I'm part of Gen Z. No, there's a new there's a new generation now. I think they're called oh, okay. Gen- Generation Alpha or something oh. like that. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not well, sure. We, we'll, we'll go look for Generation Alpha in another episode. And now okay. let's welcome Linar Orbista, another Gen Zer. Linar has been involved in organizations and initiatives advocating for quality education, sustainable cities and communities, climate action, equitable development, and good governance, and is an aspiring career diplomat. Welcome, Linar. Hi, Mom Amina. Hi, Dr. Ayasa. Hi, Vets. Hi, Hello, everyone. Hello, po. And so, are you Gen Z? Yes, ma'am. Yes, po. (laughs) And finally, let's welcome Miara Poliarco. Miara is a teacher. She teaches social studies for junior and senior high school. And she also does some research on the side with a startup abroad that provides training education for parents. Welcome, Yara. Hello, everyone. Uh, nice to be here and excited to have this discussion with you all. Hi, teacher Miara. In the Philippines, when uh, we when when we address teachers, do they still say Miss? So, do do your students call me call you Miss Miara? Miss or Ma'am? Yes, po. <laughs> you know that's the difference here in Malaysia. Teachers are called teacher, or in the Bahasa language, chikgu. chikgu. Oh, I, so English, that's nice. I, like for my daughter, you know, she, either she calls her teacher teacher or chikgu, not miss, teacher, not teacher. Uh, miss, it, really teacher. So once a teacher, you are teacher forever, for life. <laughs> yeah, forever life. <laughs> yeah. So let's go into our conversation and let's uh, talk about. What were the highlights of 2022 that each of your of our Gen Zers here found really important and in a way um, mind changing? Why don't we start with bits? I actually saw a TikTok about this the other day. So the first thing that really comes to mind is the hijab protests in Iran because, like, in the TikTok they were talking about how. For decades, women in Iran have been disproportionately impacted by Iran's moral bans and restrictive laws with like women required to wear their hijabs and not being allowed to sing or dance in public, more so than men, as far as I know. And last year, it really came to a tipping point when, uh, as Ma'am mentioned earlier, Masa Amini, a 22-year-old girl who's only four months younger than me, was arrested for not wearing her headscarf properly. And then she died shortly after under very suspicious circumstances. So this caused a lot of outrage, especially among youth in Iran who began protesting um, in a movement uh, driven by civil disobedience. So that's why now we're seeing a lot of videos of women and girls removing their headscarves, burning them, cutting their hair. And they're also singing and chanting out loud in the streets. So that's something that really blew my mind last year. Yeah, yes, uh, can you imagine that happening in Malaysia? No, not at all, Amina. I think we are very lucky here in Malaysia that even among young people, 
you know, young uh, female uh, Malaysians can opt to wear their hijab and, and there are those also like my daughter who doesn't wear the hijab. And everything is fine. And I cannot imagine the Malaysian government having such uh, draconian measures like uh, what the Iranians have, uh, have done. Well, what about you, Linar? We need to talk about the worsening situation in Afghanistan um, ever since the Taliban took over in August 2021. Um, I guess, for me, I've read reports last year of, for example, women, women's protests being met with brutality, female students being banned from attending university. I cannot imagine that recently, ma'am. And also this apparent shrinking of civic space which actually hampers um, women's participation. Um, just a few weeks ago, December 24, um, the Taliban banned women from actually working for international and non-government organizations. But personally, I think what really alarms me is the systemic erasure of Afghan women and girls from public life. I think that is something that I am really worried about. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, we are in many, many ways lucky that it, you know Muslims in the Philippines are not this... Um, restricted, that we have our civil liberties, we have our human rights, the, the government has passed laws requiring everybody, both girls and boys, to be in school and uh, provides a free education to everyone, no matter where you are. I'm even wondering if they're going to punish parents who don't send their children to school. So it's sort of the reverse of what's happening in, uh, in Afghanistan. Miara must be particularly affected by Afghanistan because she teaches school. What about you, Miara? What rocked your world? 
a while ago, I was just discussing with my class uh, territorial disputes and border conflicts. So maybe I'd go for um, the Ukraine-Russia conflict, the war. Uh, we started last year with that really big news, and it's still going on until today. And now looking at the you know women, peace, and security aspect of that, women have really carried the brunt because in a war, the men go to the front and women are left to care for their families. And this has just been really hard with everything closing down, like schools, uh, places that provide basic services and basic needs. So it's really a struggle and it affects women's education, for example, um, because women are more, the demand domestic duties, taking care of their families, plus with schools closing down it's doubly hard for them to get educated and at the same time you know we we give birth uh our healthcare is more demanding than that of men so limited healthcare also affects us on a grander scale and of course in wartime there's also violence and gender-based violence that it brings about example is a lot of women are being raped by soldiers from the other side and children are being abused and of course women are also taken as prisoners of war uh, and they are subject to inhumane treatment being denied access to healthcare, being separated from their families all these horrible things just happening uh, to uh, ukraine people to ukrainians more so uh, when it comes to women I'm not sure if every one of you have uh, recently been monitoring about the, uh, the WPS agenda for ASEAN. So what do you think about this regional plan of action on WPS for ASEAN? Let's Maybe start with we... Linar. Okay, go ahead, Linar. Okay, well, I guess I'm the one who worked closely on the RPA, WPS. And I would say that it was really an overwhelming yet humbling experience overall. I think I mentioned in episode 63 that Prior to joining, for example, PCID and working on the RPA, we have little to no background or um, experience on UNSCR 1325 and the WPS agenda. And I think I was really overwhelmed by the amount of work that um, not expected not only from PCID, but also from the other concerned actors in order to put together this regional plan of action. So I just want to share that in PCID alone, we conducted 13 consultations in total. So involving women, youth, representatives from religious and faith-based organizations, security sector, academe, government agencies from across Southeast Asia. And I think that's something that I am very, very happy about, the RPA, that it is actually a product of a consultative process that um, different sectors have been engaged in order to be able to come up with a regional action plan that actually understands or reflects the realities on the ground and the unique realities of Southeast Asia. And I guess I, I just wanted to say also that I am very hopeful about this RPA. Um, we all know that um, the chair next year is actually Indonesia. And I'm very happy to share to our listeners that aside from the Philippines, um, Indonesia actually have their own national action plan on WPS. So I guess that really gives me hope for the effective and full implementation of the RPA in Southeast Asia. Ayesa, 
Linar still has rose-colored lenses. <laughs> rose-colored. Yes. We need, we need Amina. We need but all we need her ideas. Their idealism and their, you know, a lot of energy coming from Miara, Linar, and Bits. So yeah. it's good to have them on board. So let's hear from some another uh, another one who has rose-colored glasses. Bits, what do you think? When it came to the RPA, like, we kind of, we, the research assistants, like me, Miara, and Lenar, we discussed it um, before and how the RPA during the ASEAN summit was actually... Um, sidelined, like it wasn't included in the agenda of the actual summit, mm-hmm. right? Like no, and no ASEAN leaders had actually endorsed it. So that for me was, I guess, a huge reality check. Like I do, I really do have rose-colored glasses still, but it was a big reality <laughs> check for me that showed na just because we in our circles um, find something extremely important and just because we discuss it, uh, so long for so many months and we organize all these consultations it doesn't mean that everyone finds it just as important so I think my big takeaway from the process of the consultations of the RPA and its actual launching was that we as young people we really should take the fight to social media to get wider support like while I am also hopeful for its implementation I think we really need to get more of the general public and especially young people in Southeast Asia to get on this, get on the agenda to support it. Because I think it's a really great banner for Southeast Asian youth to unite under. Like, especially since a few months back, we had a consultation with some young people from Southeast Asia about what they thought about WPS and what they thought should be included in the regional plan of action. And they brought so many new ideas to the table that I admittedly hadn't thought about before. And these ideas also weren't included in the and the regional plan of action now, not exactly, uh, because we might not be ready for them yet. Like, for example, uh, the youth had some interesting ideas on engaging like queer people and people from all gender identities in WPS, because, of course, they must be affected by conflict situations, too. To, to keep it short, my big takeaway really is to listen to and engage with Southeast Asian youth on WPS issues to ensure that the implementation of the regional plan of action goes smoothly or as smoothly as it can. Uh, that's, that's true, actually. ASEAN may have launched a regional plan of action on WPS. ASEAN may have already given up, right? I guess three statements over the past, um, I don't know, eight years or so, supporting women, peace, and security. But <laughs> individual true. leaders have not really come out strong in favor of uh, supporting women, peace, and security, apart from Indonesia and the Philippines. How about you, Miara? What do you think? Actually, I think I think for most of us share the same sentiments, no? uh, because it's a re- it's a pretty good step to have to finally have and launch the regional plan of action. Because having a declaration is one thing, but having a more concretized regional plan of action is another. But maybe to temper our expectations here, you know, plans of action like that, as comprehensive as it is, can also come with a downside. Like it has so many definitive steps, it has so, so many comprehensive actions, but which makes it, which raises a big question mark how will this be implemented throughout the whole region, especially with a very 
culturally, politically, sociologically diverse ASEAN, how will this happen? And like what everyone has been saying, how will this get contextualized, for example, uh, in the in the ASEAN member states' respective national action plans on women, peace, and security? So I think while we can give ourselves a good pat on the back for the work we've done for the uh, RPA, we should also remind ourselves that there is still so much work to be done ahead of us. You know, I mean, I'm glad that earlier bits mentioned about the power of the youth and social media. You know, it, mm. it comes to mind that there's actually a, a wonderful opportunity for the WPS agenda and for the YPS as well, you know, to come together and perhaps, you know, it's really the youth that's going to be pushing us, you know, for the WPS agenda as well. So maybe this is something that, you know, we can pursue and continue to discuss. What do you think, Linar? Actually, the RPA states that it recognizes the unique role or the role of everyone, including the youth, in implementing the WPS agenda in that in itself actually empowers um, the youth, especially the young women, to participate in advancing the WPS agenda in the Southeast Asian region. And I think, ma'am, having this recognition of what the youth or young women can do, it actually shifts the perspective of youth being seen as simply um, the victims of conflicts or being seen as the beneficiaries of all these peace-building efforts. But having this RPA, by having RP, this RPA, having this WPS, it's actually galvanized the idea that the youth, especially young women, can actually be critical agents of conflict transformation and peace-building efforts that we yeah. too can meaningfully participate in decision-making, that we have unique um, experiences, that we have ideas that we can share that, that, that are probably usually overlooked by, by the older generation, to say. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you absolutely, Linar. And in many cases, um, sometimes it's not merely overlooking. Sometimes it's really an active uh, strategy to keep you out of the room, uh, keep you out of the table. For instance, um, look at what's happening in Myanmar with Aung San Suu Kyi. And I'd like to ask each of you, what do you think about what's going on in, in, in Myanmar? I mean, uh, what's happening to Aung San Suu Kyi? And I'd like you to, to tell us, share with us, if you had your choice, who would you like to have as a as a female head of state? Do you want the 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 prime minister of New Zealand to be cloned and, and joining us here in ASEAN? Let's start with you, Miara. Right now, there's really this uh, contentiousness with regard to her reputation. Like to some, she's this bastion or like a defender of democracy, and to some. Of course, there's some controversies that surround her leadership. But regardless of her reputation for you, we cannot deny that what happened in Myanmar is an attack on freedom and attack on democracy. And I think it's something that needs more attention, especially when it comes to 
ASEAN member states because as a community, you know, we are only as strong as our other members. So I think we really have to take a more active action towards that. And when it comes to women leaders, you know, like as I said, Aung San Suu Kyi's reputation is quite arguable. So maybe she's not so high on my list, but maybe I would agree with Ma'am Amina. Prime Minister Ardern has really had a lot of significant achievements under her belt. For example, if I'm not mistaken, just recently, 50% of their ministers are female. So that's a really good uh, representation ratio. What else? Uh, banning weapons, for example. And ju- just just her empathy for her people, especially the minorities in New Zealand, is something worth emulating. And of course, not to mention her really good pandemic response, which was, I believe, the envy of the world during the time when the pandemic was really devastating every everyone's lives. So that's for me. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yep, I like I, I like her. She she uses humor and she's quite uh, quite humble. And of course, you know, Hobbiton is in New Zealand, so what's not to like? How about you, Bill? <laughs> It's such a big and controversial event to happen in our region, in the ASEAN. So it's interesting to me that Aung San Suu Kyi's arrest and the arrest of many others uh, was left um, virtually undiscussed in the summit also. Just like the RPA, it was kind of sidelined. It's kind of like if in the UNGA no one brought up the war in Ukraine. It's kind of like that for me. So maybe that says something about how ready the ASEAN is at this point to truly put women at the fore of peace and security, especially in like big summits like the ASEAN summit. And it speaks to the ASEAN's general attitude or uh, principle rather of non-interference and the idea that if a problem can be contained within borders, then it's really not, not too strategic to discuss it, which on some level, I understand the value of this, but it also begs the question of like how many women in Southeast Asia are, being affected now because there are more feminist nations like the Philippines, Indonesia, can't really do much about the situations in countries like Myanmar. And then to move on to the other, to the next question, I guess a leader that I've been idolizing recently is Sana Marin from uh, Finland. I feel like we have a similar spirit because, like last oh, year, she had those loves, videos of her. Exactly. Me too. I'm a party girl, so it kind of gives me hope. Now, in my youth, you know, I I can be a party girl. I can do so much. I can have fun. But like at the end of the day, like it doesn't affect my ability to be a leader if I choose to be a leader in the future. If I choose to go into like public service and government, like my partying has no bearing on my skill set. As a leader. So yeah, I, lo- I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. What about you, Linar? The issue about Aung San Suu Kyi's arrest is 
somehow <laughs> um, political in nature, I think that's something that that we should put in the table and something that we have to discuss. And it's interesting that it's happening here in the Philippines. Um, I, I wouldn't want to drop names, but <laughs> we know we know that um, there have been instances of that. And I guess in the question about leaders that could actually champion women's rights, and I think it doesn't always have to be a women leader in the first place. Yara and Bits gave their example. But for me, um, I would say that even men, they can help uh, champion women's rights and also the WPS agenda. I think we have discussed, for example, FVR. And I think at the end of the day, it's really just about a leader who would uphold democracy, the rule of law, and the justice and justice. It doesn't necessarily have to be female. I think it's it's more of the nature of the leader than his or her um, gender. So uh, we've had a, a nice chat with uh, Bits, Miara, and Linar, and time has flown again as usual. So before we end. Uh, how about giving a parting message, a parting shot to to our listeners? Miara, Miss, <laughs> why don't you uh, uh, start and, and give a message? Maybe your students are listening, Miss. Teacher Miara, teacher um, Miara. Teacher Miara. <laughs> I'll just go with, for example, uh, my hopes for this year when it comes to uh, WPS, maybe. Uh, it may be just wishful thinking, but I really wish, especially as a teacher, you know, there's nothing that gives me joy when I see my students talk about these things, when I hear them care about things happening around them, because I just really desire that these issues get talked about more, especially by international organizations, by governments, by individuals like you and me, especially the gendered aspect of it, that it won't become a niche topic, for example, say for politicians or for academics like us or just government people because just because women say aren't in the front for example of conflict or whatever doesn't mean they're lesser victims another would be to let's include men in these conversations you know they're not the enemy here i think it's ambassador delia albert will always say you know men are our allies you know we should treat them as allies not our inferiors and that's how we could truly um we we shouldn't dominate the space we should we should teach them how to share these spaces with us and i think that's how we can really forward these this wps agenda good point how about you linar what's your parting message i guess mom first it's time for asean to recognize that women's issues are strategic it's about time we stop relegating women's issues in the sideline there's so much benefit in addressing women's issue. I guess that's one thing that I really witnessed firsthand um, after following the 40th and 41st ASEAN Summit last November 2022. I really have noticed how women's issues are not part of the speeches of, of um, our ASEAN leaders, how it was not part of the agenda and even the adoption of the RPA wasn't given much attention. I think it was ironic given how something as important as the, as the RPA, right? So I think it's, it's really about time that we recognize the importance of addressing women's, um, women's issue and seeing it as a strategic and political issue. 
And now for the youth, I think we have been demanding a seat at the table for, for the longest time. But we aren't given a seat at the table. So why not create our own table and, and join our leaders to join us into, into a discussion? I think we can always start, mo- start small. It doesn't have to always be with the high-profile leaders. We can start with our barangay, um, barangay officials, for instance. Because at the end of the day, to the youth, having grew up in a time where in concepts such as human security, non-traditional security, SDGs, SOGs, and mental health, that in itself already gives us a way of looking at things differently, of appreciating or viewing peace and security from a different lens. So we really have something to, to forward. We really have something to contribute in the discussion. And I guess that's it. <laughs> here, here, Linar. Well, of course, uh, creating your own table will be a little easier for Linar because her family is in furniture. Right? I guess for me, my like one last thing that I want to add is like the the big events we discussed uh, at the beginning of this episode: Iran, Afghanistan, Ukraine. I hope that in 2023, people understand that these issues can be addressed by the Women, Peace, and Security agenda. And this may also be wishful thinking on my part, but I look forward to WPS finally becoming viral online and really picking up as a movement. Like, yes, videos and images and news of like wars and protests have gone viral, but it's not enough. Like the WPS agenda itself has to go viral as well. So everyone knows that there are ways for women to take action in these conflict situations when they are given the chance. Because if we don't do this, if we don't add WPS action points to the online discourse, then we're just doom scrolling to no end. And we're stuck promoting hashtags like hashtag stop the executions in Iran without even really discussing how or why. So on that note, yeah. So on that note, I'd like to take this opportunity to tell everyone to follow our social media. It's at She Talks Peace on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for that promotion, bits. So, Ayesa, we've gotten an earful from uh, Gen Z. So, and, right. I, and I really like having these uh, sessions of ours because it gives me um, a different take on, on issues that you and I have been confronting for, for decades, Ayesa. And to see a new perspective makes me think of um, perhaps a, a different approach that might be more workable in today's environment than um, 30, 40 years ago when we were demonstrating in the streets. I, guess. <laughs> I think uh, in some cases, uh, I mean, uh, protesting on the streets is, some, is sometimes not that useful anymore. There's really a different paradigm now for, for young people, especially they grew up on the social media. So that's another platform for them to do their advocacy campaign. So time flies and it is again time to say goodbye and uh, thank Bits, Miara and Linar for joining us and giving us your very frank and very fresh uh, perspectives on what has happened and your hopes for for the future. And I mean, uh, they just added more energy to us. Oh yeah, I can feel <laughs> when it. we I need can it feel most it from here. When we need it most. <laughs>
Thank you. So, dear listeners, I hope you enjoyed the show with our Gen Z uh, ladies. This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying bye for now from Manila. Ayesa? And this is Ayesa Abubakar from University of Malaysia, Sabah in Kota Kinabalu. Again, thank you very much, Bits, Linar, and Yara. We hope to see you again next time and all the best to you. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye Amina. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia the hosts of the program or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. I think I mentioned in episode 63 that prior to joining, for example, PCID and working on um, the RPA, we have little to no background or um, experience on UNSCR 1325 and the WPS agenda. And I think I was really overwhelmed by the amount of work that um, not expected not only from PCID, but also from the other concerned actors in order to put together this regional plan of action. So I just want to share that in PCID alone, we conducted 13 consultations in total. So involving women, youth, representatives from religious and faith-based organizations, security sector, academe, government agencies from across Southeast Asia. And I think that's something that I am very, very happy about, the RPA, that it is actually a product of a consultative process. It's a pretty good step to have, to finally have and launch the regional plan of action because having a declaration is one thing, but having a more concretized regional plan of action is another. But maybe to temper our expectations here, you know, plans of action like that, as comprehensive as it is, uh, can also come with a downside. Like it has so many definitive steps, it has so, so many comprehensive actions, but which makes it, which raises a big question mark how will this be implemented throughout the whole region, especially with a very culturally, politically, sociologically diverse ASEAN? How will this happen? And like what everyone has been saying, how will this get contextualized, for example, uh, in 
the in the ASEAN member states' respective national action plans on women, peace, and security. I look forward to WPS finally becoming viral online and really picking up as a movement. Like, yes, videos and images and news of like wars and protests have gone viral, but it's not enough. Like the WPS agenda itself has to go viral as well. So everyone knows that there are ways for women to take action in these conflict situations when they are given the chance. Because if we don't do this, if we don't add WPS action points to the online discourse, then we're just doom scrolling to no end. And we're stuck promoting hashtags like hashtag stop the executions in Iran without even really discussing how or why.